The headlines are in a frenzy. The last few weeks, everybody's been talking about the stock market, left and right. People are going on media circuits, talking about GameStop, about the markets, what's happening, Reddit articles, what's happening in the options market, what is going on in the capital markets. Everyone wants to know. What I can tell you is I know what's going to happen with the future of the capital markets. And you're going to find out today on this episode. We sit down with the CEO of Dream Exchange, and you're going to love every word you hear because you're going to get a sneak peek into the future of the capital markets. for another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast. And I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm actually going to be speaking with someone that I spoke to on Black Equity Podcast a few months ago uh, when there was an announcement about the first minority-owned stock exchange. And if you want to learn more about that episode, of course, we'll have that in the show notes. Uh, But I'm really glad uh, to have this uh, conversation about uh, capital markets and what's currently happening uh, in the landscape. And of course, in order to have the conversation, you have to speak with someone who understands the subject, someone who understands the subject at hand. Uh, so joining us uh, from the Dream Exchange is Joe Sikela. Uh, Welcome to How to Acquire Podcast. Oh, thank you so much again for having me. It's just, it's a real pleasure to be able to get this information out there. So thanks for your voice. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, stopping by and providing uh, some context to what we are currently seeing and how investors who are looking to acquire, how they can use this information uh, to maybe uh, block out some of the noise and, and understand fully of what they are seeing in front of them. Uh, before we go into today's capital markets and what's currently happening, uh, just tell us a little bit about your company and uh, how it's relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. Sure, sure. Um, so the Dream Exchange is um, is a stock exchange in formation. Um, it's actually been around. I, I've been working on the creation of the Dream Exchange for the better part of the last 15 years. Um, but it's become the Dream Exchange and quite, uh, quite well known uh, in the last three years. And what we are is two things now. One is, and maybe this goes to the topic of today, um, we are going to own a national market system stock exchange. Um, what, what does that mean? So the, the electronic world of buying and selling stocks exists under regulations called the national market system. And there are currently, there are, there are a lot of licenses, but there are really only seven stock exchanges that exist in the United States today. Everyone kind of knows and understands the big ones like the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. Um, There are some smaller ones other than those two. We intend to be uh, the eighth, if if you will, this year. Um, Or probably by early next year. Um, So that's that's one of our primary goals. 
we um, we're in the process of working out. There's going to be some very big announcements regarding the Dream Exchange in the coming months, okay. um, because we are majority owned by um, a minority company. So I'm part owner of the exchange, but um, we have black ownership, which controls and, and owns the company. And um, in putting together the amounts of money that are needed to, for us to launch, um, we've got we've garnered the interest of s- some household name people that uh, I can't tell you who yet. I understand. Um, I understand. But uh, I'm very excited about the launch of our new stock exchange. And um, the the other thing we're doing, I think, that bears upon today as well is capital markets and acquiring companies, right? Or acquiring and mm-hmm. making an investment to acquire a stock. Right. So historically that's been done in the private equity world right. where, uh, and let me explain that maybe a little bit of the difference between private and public. Okay. Cause I don't know what the, the audience is. If you're a highly trained financial professional and you, this is old hat to you, I'm sorry, but to most people, um, securities laws and the rules regarding buying and selling a stock or companies is something that they're just, it's not an everyday affair for everyone. And, the really important thing to know is that um, most of the companies, the, not just the majority, but literally millions of companies are what they call privately owned, meaning that the right. ownership is just amongst a group of people, right? And it's not uh, shares of stock sold to the what they call the broad investing public, or that's there's the public, right? There's the word uh, initial public offering or the public markets. That's where that comes from is, you can't just sell your stock uh, to anyone. There's a law that prevents that. It's called the, the, the 1933 Securities Act. And what that law says, it starts out very hopeless. It was after the stock market crash in 1929, right? There was all these abuses. So they created a law that said, it starts out, you may not use interstate commerce to sell stock, period. Can't mm-hmm. sell stock. <laughs> Right. Well, it happens every day, right? So somehow it's right. happening. <laughs> that is very okay. true. Right. So what they did was they said, okay, we're creating something else called the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Mm-hmm. And in that, if you re- register your stock with the Securities Exchange Commission, then you can sell it to anyone. So that's okay. primarily how public stock is sold. You prepare a bunch of documents, you give them to the government, and now you can sell stock to anyone. Actually, people who are professionals in the securities world, they call it being able to sell it to grandmas, orphans, and widows. Okay? <laughs> because okay. allegedly the Securities Exchange Commission is now protecting the public from people who would take advantage of them, right? Because you registered your stock, you provided all the information. That's a public company. The general public can buy and sell the investment. Well, what about all these millions of other companies that can't do that? They're private companies. So in those private companies, um, in order to sell stock to someone else, that's not just your family or your business partner. If you're going to sell it to strangers, you have to apply for an exemption to registering your stock with the government. Mm. And you don't actually even apply. You just create a document. And in that document, when you give it to the person you're going to sell the stock to, it says, These are not registered shares of stock. Buyer beware. The information you're going to get, no one's looked at. 
this is this could be a total loser. <laughs> and actually, the document is very often that's what I've done for my profession for the last you know better part of thirty years is prepare documents like that um, yeah. where the two thirds of the document is telling the investor how he can lose his money. <laughs> okay, to protect you, but to to protect the business owner from look if he loses his money, I don't want to be sued, right? So you have to tell right. him all that. Right. That's called a private offering. Okay, you're offering shares privately. And that's the only two ways you're allowed to sell stock. Now you can go buy an entire company, acquire an entire company. And if you don't buy the stock, but you buy what the company owns, you buy its machinery, its equipment, its accounts receivable, all the things that are in the company, you're not buying stock. You're not buying shares of stock. You're buying assets. So none of the securities laws apply to that. So if you're okay. a company acquirer, you want to go out and buy a company, well, by and large, you don't need to really worry about the securities laws, except once you buy the company and you buy all the assets, you now own a company with stock. <laughs> right. How are you going to raise money for that company? How are you going to secure its future? And better yet, as it grows from a small company into a yet increasingly larger company, how can you get reap the rewards of the wealth creation. If you, if you have a successful company um, and it's worth millions of dollars, well, you, you need to go get either an exemption to sell the shares or some of your shares or go public. So even if you build a very successful company, there's this uh, overwhelming, uh, I guess, lock or illiquidity is what it's called on private companies. Right. So, what we've done, going back to you, you asked me the original question, because I wanted to make sure that data is well known by, because company acquirers and people who are acquiring or investing to acquire, they don't necessarily think in these terms of capital markets. So there's a marketplace where people invest money called the private markets, private equity markets. Equity meaning they make an investment. It's not lending money. It's not borrowing money. It's they make a bona fide risk investment alongside the company owner to see that company become more valuable. And eventually they have to sell the whole thing to get their money out. Well, a public environment means you don't have to sell the whole thing, meaning you go public and you own some portion of the company and the public owns some portion of it. And now you have shares, they have shares, and they're in a free and open capital marketplace where the buying and the selling of those shares can take place on a stock exchange. Mm. So what we've designed is another type of stock exchange, other than the, the, the com directly competitive one with the New York Stock Exchange, we've designed right. something completely different. Okay. Tell me more. Fact, Tell me more. You got, okay, my, you got my interest. Yeah. So it, there's a completely different type of stock exchange. And, and, and this is literally what it has taken to get us to the point we're at in our company's creation. Okay. Um, five years ago. Well, I'll go back 10 years ago. 10 years ago, Mary, I remember we had that financial crisis and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, things were kind of falling apart. And what we began to observe was investments in small companies uh, were fewer and further between um, very small companies. Like that kind of went away. Not only did we discover that, but at one time from about 2003 and for 40 years before that, 
70% of all the companies that went public were raising $50 million and under. Now that's may seem like a lot of money, but when you can, when you consider today, like there's multi-billion dollar public offerings, every time you hear it, it's like a $25 billion. And, and people look at that and they go, how can I participate in that? I can, right. I don't have a billion dollar company. This is right. That capital market isn't open to me. I have no ability to play that game. So this problem of 70% of all initial public offerings up until 2003 were 50 million and under, meaning five, 10, $20 million. That's not a lot of money. $5 million. If you have a really good idea and you have a great company and it can grow and maybe it can be worth 50 or a hundred million dollars someday. If you got your $5 million, it's a very good investment. And how do you get all that money? Well, it's relationship driven today. It's still relationship driven. You've got to know people who have that kind of money or a group of people. So naturally, if you don't have those relationships in the private markets, you can't get the $5 million. Mm -hmm. Whereas 20 plus years ago, you had a really good idea. There were, there were stockbrokers, there were intermediaries, there were people who could help you raise $5 million or 10 or $20 million. Well, that, that went away by 2003. I would say that it's less than 5% of all the going to the capital markets, going to public markets, disappeared. Like, wow. <clears throat> we actually have research we've done. Our, our, our research on this is the global uh, kind of leading research. So Oxford University studied this problem and they published a handbook called the Handbook on Initial Public Offerings. Okay, Handbook on IPOs. Mm -hmm. And chapter nine is our research. It's called, it's a little technical in the title. It's called Low Visibility Markets Acting as Stepping Stones to National Exchanges. Mm. Because all of those very small companies, those, those 50 million and under companies, well, today, those are the multi-billion dollar companies. They started out really small. Right. And they went public. And so in correlating this, a lot of the research, this is going back 10 years, like in 2010, 11, 12. And I kept going to Washington, literally volunteering with a bunch of other lawyers. <laughs> and we go to the SEC and they have, a, they have a open forum on capital markets. And I kept going to that. And there were people who were genuinely concerned with this problem because, and I began to notice this more than 10 years ago, what communities were most affected by the possibility of these markets existing or not existing? What communities were now coming into an environment where they could succeed? Okay. And I'm finding this because our, we, when we made our initial announcements about the dream exchange and our minority <laughs> partnerships, and yep. you know, I've been back in 2010, I was working extensively with the Chicago urban league on the entrepreneurship program. In fact, we've hired the former head of the entrepreneurship program at the urban league is now working for us. Um, so we're deep. Our roots are, we want to really create a solution to mm -hmm. the economic disenfranchisement of capital markets and acquisition of companies and expanding those companies, we are at the, we're on the bleeding edge of the solution. And here's what's really interesting. Well, we discovered that 
92% of all jobs are created after a company goes public in that company. Wow. So if you have a company and has 100 employees and you can get to the public capital markets, that company will have 1,000 jobs. Okay. Now, I want That's you to- That's a lot of value. That's a lot of value. Tre tremendous. Now, I, yes. just, just bear with the connection. These two statistics kind of correlate, right? There has been one Black-owned company in the 230-year history of the New York Stock Exchange to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm. And which one was so that? Now, it was BET. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Now, there's probably been a few more than that on the NASDAQ uh, Stock Exchange. But, right, right. You know, you start looking at this, you start, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I was working with the Urban League, and I had these extraordinary people. Um, Ivy League, pedigreed uh, people running small companies. And we, we had a bit of a difficult time raising money for them. Okay, Black-owned entrepreneurs. Not that we failed it entirely, but it was harder. Well, those, those private relationships were, were more difficult. They didn't have all those, you know, they didn't uh, come from the environment where it was easy to make 30 phone calls and to raise the money, right? But they did some successes and, you know, modest amounts of success. But what was important to me was like, wait a minute, none of these companies are actually thinking about when I'm a public company. They're not even thinking about that. Right. And one of the companies, in fact, you know, their, their plant was at 51st and Ashland in Chicago, which is, um, I owned, I, I used to rehab houses 25 years ago. I, I had some houses there. I was deep in the community there. And I thought, wow, if this company could put 2000 jobs here, this, this whole community would change. Like we'd have right in the heart of that area, a plant with not uh, jobs creation like, oh, you know, and, and this has long been, I, I deal with Maxine Waters all the time. She's actually become a, more than a casual acquaintance to me, okay? <laughs> I, I, five years ago, I was, I was who, who are you? <laughs> and right, then about right. three years ago, I became, oh, the Dream Exchange guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And now we've, when we meet and we meet with the staff, it's like, oh, there, there's Joe. Okay. So we've become a kind of a trusted friendship ally in right. her, her desires to, to use legislation to help grow the economy, to grow in her constituency. Okay. Where mm -hmm. she is in LA and she's, she's looking for ways to help the consumer and the, and her constituents. And she's fighting for increases to the minimum wage. I'm for that. Okay, minimum wage jobs should be paid more. It's not going to kill anyone, right? Right. But I asked a different question. And my question is, why is it that we have in, in certain communities, people who have college degrees, who are trained and are, could be really professionals and have a career path, why do we have those people working in job opportunities that they have to demand a minimum wage? Mm. Why don't we have, now, if we had this company, I'm just giving this one example, Right. we have a company and it has a human resources department and it has an engineering department and it has a purchasing department and it has a quality control department and it has uh, pu public relations and marketing. And 
Now you have career path jobs that are living wages that can expand and you, be, you begin to see that the job creation and if they can own a bit of that company as they build their life, now there's wealth creation. Now you have, a, mm. you have a bona fide prospering ecosystem of a community that has a real stake in the company and is seeing it flourish and, and the opportunities just expand because 92% of all jobs are created after the capital markets get involved. So that problem was something I've been, it's ironic that I've become kind of popular in the last 10 months. The, the country has been in turmoil and suddenly this thing that I've been talking about for 10 years has become popular, but I've been screaming this from the top of the ramparts for more than 10 years. Okay. And the, the fact is that business acquisitions and planning for that and being able to acquire multiple companies or do what they call a roll up. Eventually, people want to harvest the wealth. They gotta get money, they gotta get cash for owning a thing. And this is no offense to the corner dry cleaners or grocery store, but you know those are, those are very, 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 very small businesses. And if you have a bright idea, if you have a better idea for how, I've been looking for the people who could run a dry cleaners with environmentally friendly products because there's a lot of chemicals involved. Boy, if you have that idea, you're, you've got a multi-million dollar company somewhere. Okay? Right. So I'm even, I'm, I'm even interested in the dry cleaners, okay? But the point is that over this 10-year period, the evolution has given birth to a brand new law. Well, it's not a law yet, it's a bill. And it's called the Main Street Growth Act. And in the Main Street Growth Act, which my company and my team of people, my government relations people and my research people, we've been intimately involved in how to create an 11 page law that amends the 1934 Securities Exchange Act wow. and the 1933 Securities Act, right? 75 and 85 year old laws that are being changed to create a brand new type of stock exchange called a venture exchange. So while we're going to get the normal exchange license, we also intend, this law actually, just so you know, um, was unanimously supported by the House Financial Services Committee. Um, Maxine Waters herself voted for it three times in 2018. Okay? Wow. And, and this is really interesting because there are 56 people on the House Financial Services Committee. Mm -hmm. um, when it came out of the committee, 56 to zero voted in favor of this new law. Then 435 to zero on the House floor and 99 to zero in the Senate. And as we approach the end of the year in 2018, because it's only 11 pages, what, what Congress does, is they take all these small laws that everyone's kind of unanimously agreed to and they attach them to the year end spending bill. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the government's budget is the giant law and they take all these small ones and they add them on. And when the budget is passed, these other laws pass. So we were actually attached to the budget at the end of 2018. And then for the first time in 25 years or 30 years, the, the government was shut down. <laughs> um, I remember. So we rolled into two that, remember that, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember. So, but it, going into 2019, mm -hmm. all of those little laws were removed because it was a different Congress. So they couldn't take those laws. They actually passed a brand new budget with a brand new Congress the next year. So we had to go to square zero. We started from zero. Wow. Which was fine. 
And, and the reason I'm saying this is we have some webinars. I just did a webinar yesterday where I take the, uh, actually take the slide from the Financial Services Committee hearing on capital markets and I show it. And a lot of it is our input, which says right in there, there aren't stock exchanges designed to help solve this problem. So they're trying to solve it with this law. And I think there's going to be other big milestone news coming up because COVID-19 really wiped every, there were no legislation at all last mm-hmm. year. COVID-19, impeachment, all kinds of other stuff. Congress wasn't paying attention to 11 page law. Now it's getting enormous attention. And the reason it's getting enormous attention is it's a way to get money, smaller amounts of capital investment into the hands of the community that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Call it the disenfranchised community, but it's really black, Hispanic, and a little bit of the Asian marketplace. That marketplace does not see large amounts of capital investment. And guess what our new type of stock exchange once in once functioning will do? It will provide not loans, but actual investment dollars into the community without a cost to the taxpayer. Because mm. everything the government's trying to do right? They're trying to go stimulus and then they fight over it. And well, how much stimulus, how much burden are we going to put on the taxpayer, et cetera, et cetera. We don't really need that. I mean, we do. Okay. Again, I don't want to get down the political road. We do, but we don't. If we just invested in the thousands and there are thousands of amazing small companies in the black and Hispanic communities, we would transform the economic fabric of our whole country. There are thousands of them. Now, mind you, there's only 3,500 companies that are uh, listed on stock exchanges today. Mm. So because the bar is so high, because right. the intermediaries, correct, and they're not paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and maybe justifiably so. So to take some responsibility for my, sorry, there's a very long answer, but an interesting answer to, to directly oh, yeah. in the lane mm-hmm. of the show, which is how do you acquire a company? Where do you get the capital to do it? Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, how do you promise the person who invested in you that he's going to get his money back? Okay. Right. And I see what you're you, saying. Right. And most of the most successful companies, the enormously successful companies go many years before they have profits it takes building it takes creating it takes expanding it takes building the brand it takes all the things that there's there's just vast numbers of consultants that would apply their skills to something if their money was there and then you'd have a bigger company and then it can be profitable my my perfect example is tesla motors tesla motors didn't make a profit until last july yeah and it, it is the largest auto manufacturer in the world. So the mechanics behind making a profit and financial mechanics that when a person's looking at an investment today, this is new today. Mm-hmm. It's new. It's different. The paradigm has shifted. We're in a brand new way of looking at everything. We look at companies differently. We're looking at companies based upon whether they have good environmental practices. Are, they, is there, are their products sustainable or for our future? Are they green? Well, what, what the Dream Exchange has done is we've added, they, they call it ESG, yes. Environmental Sustainable Green, right? We've added a D to that, diversity. 
Tell me more and about it, that. Okay, it isn't just diversity in employment. It's diversity in the equity ownership of the companies. How do we get ownership of mm. the business organizations that will grow in the communities so the community can flourish and prosper and be disinclined to, to kind of go, oh, wait a minute, this, this company that's there, that, that, that's us. That's, that, that represents our, our thing, okay? Um, and when that occurs, the, the participation in things changes. Um, and there's just differing viewpoints. You know, it, it doesn't take much to understand uh, the differing viewpoints if you're, if you're honest, if you're sincere. I, 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 maybe I think it's easy because I'm a different kind of guy. Obviously, my goal, um, we have over 100 investors, okay, in, in the company today. Um, we have many Black professionals that have invested. Um, you know, there are, there are some amazing investors. And my earliest investors, you know, it was 13 people. They were, they were all white, <laughs> okay? It was like, this is what I'm going to do, guys. I was announcing it back then. They're like, all for it. And I said, eventually... What we have to do is we have to be minority owned. So I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. We're going to be partners in this solution. We're not going to go, it's, it's that problem over there in the capital markets. Uh, let's throw some money at it and hope it goes away. No, we're going, to, we're going to be the solution to this. So these two types of stock exchanges allow for the very micro small company to have the hope of raising the money to grow, grow jobs, be a, be a deliver good products, D-E-S-G products, okay? And grow the community in its wealth creation because they can harvest the wealth of the appreciated value. And they can all do that in a marketplace because that's all the capital markets are, is the place that the buying and the selling of stock goes on where if you want to harvest some of your wealth, this is what people have done. This is the, what the wealthiest people in our society have always done. They build a company. You know, you look at the richest people in America, Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Their wealth primarily is in the stock that they own in the companies they've created. Okay. And I, I, I'm not demonizing real estate investors or people who have other tactics and merger acquisition people who flip companies all the time, buy and sell. Fine. We're not against any of that. I'm just saying that we need to open up the opportunity to build wealth in what has been for 200 years, the most successful way and get full participation of the entire public fabric of our country in a free and open market system so that we're all a part of it. And, you know, I have the full attention of the United States Congress. And I have full agreement there. And that wasn't easy because everybody knows, I don't watch the news, but I, I can tell you with the limited amount of news I get, I know, and I've been there, I've been in the Congress talking to Republicans and Democrats. And I, I keep saying this and it's kind of funny, but getting a Republican and a Democrat to agree that water is wet, that's a tough <laughs> one. Okay. Water's wet. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, define right. wet. Yet I have un unanimous consent on this they they all agree that we're better off with this marketplace so let me let me ask a question there what is it that has them agreeing is the fact that it is a venture exchange and 
And what exactly is a venture exchange and how is that a little bit different than what we've seen in the past? Great. So uh, yes, the answer is uh, yes. And here's how it's different. The, the, the yes is they agree that the mechanics of the, the, the new law open the opportunity. Okay. It's just an opportunity. And this is how a venture exchange is different. So for example, if you have a company and you want to uh, take your shares and list them on the NASDAQ stock exchange. Now, and let me, let me explain the difference here. I talked about registering your shares with the government. That's a registration statement. You fill out the paperwork, mm-hmm. you register the shares. That doesn't mean that that company can go to a stock exchange. That's called a listing. Okay. okay? So the difference is, is like, oh, I have a business license and I grow tomatoes. I have a business license. I grow tomatoes. The government gave me my license. I have all these tomatoes all over my farm. But where am I going to sell them? Well, I've got to get an agreement to go to a grocery store and have my product listed there as an item for sale in the grocery store. Otherwise, I'm on an island on my farm, right? So I have to go to a marketplace, the supermarket, right? It's the same thing with stock. You can get a license and register your shares, but to get onto a stock exchange where everyone can see the menu of the company to be able to buy and sell that stock is a very different endeavor. To get onto a listing at the NASDAQ stock exchange, the company has to have a minimum value of $40 million. Okay. Mm. Okay. So if your value is under 40 million and you're raising five or 10 million, you're not on the NASDAQ. Right. The New York Stock Exchange, the value has to be a minimum of 250 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just by those benchmarks, you've eliminated a substantial number of the potential applicants. Right. Venture exchanges, especially ours, are, are designed to go after that lower marketplace. Remember, I talked about our, our paper is called Low Visibility Markets. Yes. Well, you don't see these companies. They're tiny. And there's thousands of them. So what we have to do is create an entire educational and intermediary system where people can actually make monies, uh, money developing these companies and bring them properly into the environment with the legal documents. And the. And we're developing it. We're still in development on this. And it's taking a while. But we want it to be like an app. We want it to be terms and conditions, click, go, and you move through the process very quickly to satisfy all of those legal rudiments. And, and you're examined. We're not t- saying you know that it's company in a drawer somewhere. It's a, a, a bona fide business that we can get these very small companies streamlined into an environment where people would choose them. Okay, so here I, have a, I can give you an example of, of the type of company that would go to a venture exchange. Sure, go ahead. Anyway, I'm particularly proud of this, this fellow um, he's, he's been a friend of mine. I, I was, uh, I, I was in the army. I was an army officer back 30 plus years ago. And I, I met this fellow. Um, he was, an, he's an army veteran. Uh, he's, he is a black disabled veteran who was an army ranger, jumped out of an airplane <laughs> into combat. Um, he's a war hero. I mean, I, I love him. He, we've been friends for probably 14 years and uh, the, he's, he's lived through the mechanics of this, but his company, Okay, is uh, a company that can remove uh, electronic waste 
from like cell phones and computers and things like that. He strips away the glass and the precious metals and the plastics, and he has a way of separating it so that the precious metals can then be recycled. The glass can be put somewhere and safe and recycled so that it doesn't go into a landfill. Like he's Mr. Environmental, like forget all the other facts for his company uh, that I just named. He's, a, this is a great idea. And it's so needed in our society because, you know, they stockpile electronic waste. You can't dump it in a landfill. So it has to go into a warehouse. It sits there. The government has warehouses, airplane hangars filled with old computers and phones and, you know, electronic uh, systems that are sitting there because they can't dump them into a uh, garbage dump. They'll pollute the environment badly. So they need to cure this, right? His company does that, but here's what's even better. Um, not only is he a black owned company, but you know, he's, he's got this army veteran mentality, which is doing a job like he, you know, you, uh, when I went to basic training, I, I didn't know my left foot from my right foot. I taught, I learned left, right, left, right. So you can train people, right? Mm -hmm. And he thought, well, there's career jobs that he's created in the company that have a junior college um, educational curriculum he's created, which is now accepted at a couple of junior colleges. And he made a partnership with a correctional system mm. so that people can go from the correctional system while they're there, get the junior college um, education, and immediately upon leaving the correctional system, get a, get a career path job. That's awesome. That's I mean, awesome. Amazing. He needs, he needs about, he needs about $10 million. Okay. He's going to be, He's going to be the poster child of the dream exchange. Okay. Yeah. He's in the DC area. Uh, and so I'm giving one example of a, of a, of a perfect candidate for why a venture exchange will be different because we're interested in that. It's not a lot of money. We know how to make a little bit of money along the way. I would invest in his company if it were a public company the millions of people in America would invest in his company. He'd have plenty of money. And as he grows and becomes more profitable, the investment becomes a better investment, becomes worth more. And you don't have to then be in this private market where he's got to sell the whole company. If you want to invest in it and it goes up in value and three years from now, you want to take the money out to buy a car or pay for your child's college education or pay off your mortgage, whatever you want to do with the money. It's a free self-determined independent choice for how to manage your own financial affairs. And that actually bears on, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about what's currently happening. Sure. That's happening. And, and it's been named, ironically, the first time I heard that the term democratization of finance. Yes. Okay. I've been I hearing was, that too. Yeah. I was in a meeting. I thought, wow, that's going to be a really catchy phrase. I wish I had invented it. Uh, it was actually a staff member of Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren's team. Okay. And when we were presenting all the information about the dream exchange and the venture exchange, she said, wow, this represents a real democratization of finance. And I thought, mm. wow, that's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That captures, that captures everything. Mm -hmm. So this is now happening throughout the entire fabric of our country. So um, in September, the Securities Exchange Commission changed some rules. 
And one of the primary rules, this is in a different area, but aligned with what we're creating with our exchange. It's what's called a direct public offering. Okay. okay. In the past, you could register your shares, but if you registered your shares, you needed some uh, intermediary uh, investment bank or a broker or somebody to help you list those shares on a stock exchange. Okay, so you couldn't simultaneously directly offer the shares to the public and list it on a stock exchange. You couldn't do that. You needed a banker. You needed someone else controlling things. Right. That's very hard to do in the small markets because, no offense, and I, I, I keep naming Goldman Sachs because it's like, if you name a big investment bank, Goldman Sachs, the first one that comes to mind. Okay, but I'm not demonizing them, but they're right. just not interested in $5 million deals. They're just not. Right. And I don't blame them. They want to make money. Okay. So the question shouldn't be, how do we force Goldman Sachs to become interested in $5 million deals? The question should be, how do we solve that problem and get other people interested? Right. Right. So we're doing that. And this direct public offering change in the rules happened to a very big company. The name of the company, I, I should preface this, not offering investment advice, <laughs> disclaimering, <laughs> I'm not offering you the opportunity. You're to a like smart give you man. Advice. You're a smart man. Okay. But the, the name of the company was Palantir. Okay. And Palantir did, I think it's probably the first direct public offering and they simultaneously listed their shares for sale on the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. The, the price of the share, September 27th, was $10 a share. So mm. anyone, you and I, could have bought those shares. Now, I, I feel foolish because I didn't buy any, but I know a lot of people who did. Mm -hmm. and they're like, that's going to be a great company. They have artificial intelligence. They deal with all the global um, you know, world of AI. They, they provide products to the government, the National Security Administration. They're like a super, super tech company, okay? And... Um, they were offered at $10 a share. And I think last week, their share price was around $35 a share. And there was no real wow. investment bank in control of that. Wow. They went direct. There are a lot of average investors who bought that. A friend hmm. of mine, actually, a paralegal that does work for our company, bought shares at like $12 or $13 a share way back because he was watching this thing. Right. Um, he and his family put put thousands of dollars in it and they're like thrilled right now because look at the in five months they have this huge appreciation in the in, the, in their investment so this mechanics is allowing the broad investing american public to have opportunities and that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be doing a direct public offering simultaneously listing those shares on our venture exchanges so that we can vote with our pocketbooks i love that yeah so that's what makes us different is that the, the amount of money needed for the offering is much less and the value of the company will be much less. Although the investor protection, like the scrutiny, the examination of making sure that the company is viable and has a future, we're going to be taking on that burden that's usually done by brokers, investment banks, and all these people that are, are checking things out. Well, the, we're dedicated to, to growing those companies. We want to make sure that the, those investments succeed. So that's the primary difference. 
in addition to the fact that you know we're already working on partnerships with you know the entrepreneur center at the urban league you know we're going we're we are um we don't need a diversity manager in our company we are the diversity <laughs> okay i love that right so uh, we're 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 already dedicating ourselves to seeing that, that those opportunities grow, and that is the primary difference between venture exchange uh, potential, which is coming in the future. And this is worth the four. This is virgin earth. This is brand new. Uh, right. It's we're we're actually kind of the um, early adopters. Anyone who's listening to you and is is aware of this and is enthused by this conversation, this is a bit like. The people who were uh, who were on Facebook as a social media in two thousand and five, okay, exactly. This was <laughs> leading edge thought, right? This is very leading edge, right? So we found out that that happened in the fall, and now we're also finding out that um, the the general investing public, because of the internet, because of communication, because of transparency, because you can go out and be on social media and looking in all the different corners of the world, you can find out things that, you know, I grew up, I'm 55 years old. When I was growing up in Chicago, we had channel two, five, seven, nine, and, and, and uh, WLS TV <laughs> or, or WMAQ. We had five stations. Right. <laughs> uh, that's where we got the news. Yep. All the information was those five places. And if they didn't say it, you didn't know about it. Mm. In the last three weeks, uh, Reddit, that uh, it's kind of a, I don't even know what to call it. It's kind of social media, it's inf information. People are doing this, disseminating information, pushing out information to the public. Well, they found, right. out, they found out that there were a number of stocks, the Reddit people, whoever they are, found out that there were a number of stocks that had huge short sale positions. Now, I actually, in my webinar, I go through the mechanics of a short sale in great detail. So I don't want to give people a, a misunderstood term. It's a great presentation. I'll make sure I have that in the link. It's a great presentation. Yeah, so, so that, that uh, description, what we've discovered is, wait a minute. The general public thought GameStop was a pretty good stock. They don't think that it was overvalued. And a short seller, he's counting on the price of the stock falling. And... What's interesting about the short selling phenomena is more often than not, a small company is the victim of short selling because bad news happens, the stock price falls, oh, that company's overvalued, I should get out of that small company. And the mechanical people who are, and these are good people too, just so you know, stock speculators and traders and people, they make, them, they make the world go round in capital markets. Right. Right. Okay, so their opportunity to make money on a short sale and just get in and out fast is not a long-term view on a company for investing. They make money in this technique, but where a company really isn't undervalued or overvalued, where a company is just doing fine, but the tech technique is going to occur and the price is going to fall and people who want to stay in that investment long-term are saying, wait a minute, this is, a, I don't want to sell my GameStop. I don't want my wealth to go down because this tech tactic is happening. Well, they overwhelmed the market, kept buying and buying and buying and buying. The price of the stock kept going up and up and up. So the short sellers couldn't make any money. They only make money when the stock price falls. Well, what was that? That was the general investing public of our country. And really what I'm fascinated by, because 
since the fall, we've had we, some of our press releases went out and um, especially Black Enterprise, they were really, they were great, so gracious to us and they helped us a bit with our press release. Well, we've had a million people through the Black Enterprise link coming to the Dream Exchange's website awesome. in the last few months. I would say the overwhelming, like if I say the overwhelming majority, that sounds like 60%. I'm going to say it's close to like 90%. Are are young black people, and they're going. Wait a minute, I know about this. I want to be involved in this. I want to make money doing this. How can I participate? And we are the uh, full participation act for those people. We're a voice for that, um, you know. And I, I intend to accomplish the goal of these exchanges. And right. if we've done nothing else, we've we've kind of awakened the beast. We've like, oh wow. Look at, I didn't know we were going to get a million people. I, I thought we'll have a nice press release. Uh, <laughs> it'll be news for a couple of weeks. And then I'll go back to doing what I'm doing. And the response, because we're telling the truth. And right. the truth is a, it's a, it's the fastest traveling, most uh, penetrating of armor bullet. And we're, that bullet has now been launched. So it, it expands and it's continuing to expand because this is the future. This is the future. And there are certain historical ways of looking at things um, that are falling by the wayside. Um, and I got it. We get, we're creating loan programs and in, 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 they're in the capital markets. Small businesses don't need another loan. Um, that's my personal opinion. Lending money in a small business environment is difficult. It tends to suppress the business because now there's these very difficult terms and very difficult deadlines. And if you're a small business and you expect your sales to increase because you got some money, but they don't increase for another six months or eight months, you still got to pay the loan. But if you have an investor who believes in you, who, who really, you know, my favorite television show for years has been American Idol. And, you know, I watch that all the time and it's always the case that someone believed in someone else. Yep. Very okay. true. Very true. And, and we're talking about this in a brand new paradigm shifting way. The viewpoint, the philosophy behind everything we're creating is that we, we all need someone to believe in us. Okay. That's how the world will change. Okay. Um, you know, uh, one of our investors compared the belief in someone to what Branch Rickey did when he, he got Jackie Robinson to play professional baseball, he believed in him. I mean, he turned out to be like, I'm a baseball fan. So sorry for my baseball analogies. I have a son. No, you're good. I, have a, I have a son who's knocking on the door of getting drafted this year. And, you know, <laughs> I, I know the, the ups and downs that he's been through and believe me, it's all about belief in yourself. Right. And that's, this is the story of every entrepreneur, everyone buying a business, a small business, especially, Everyone running a small business, everyone investing a small business, if you don't have the core of people who believe in you, because there are long days, there are more failures than there are successes. It's a lot like baseball. You have to fail seven times out of 10 to make the Hall of Fame in, in Major League Baseball. If you can bat 300, you're in the Hall of Fame. That's, that's, that takes an extraordinary human being to fail seven times out of every 10 and still go, I'm still going to hit the ball next time I get to bat. That's an entrepreneur. 
Yep. That show me a person who's doing that and doing it well, and I'll show you the hope of the future because they don't quit, they don't give up, they keep trying to do the right thing and to make the world a better place in their own company. And they need investors, they need people who believe in them, not someone who's going to give them terms and demand and, and, and suppress them. We need to uh, unleash the power of the creativity in our community. And this is another side, side note just on our philosophy. Um, the creativity comes from everywhere. There's no one corner of our society. There's no one, oh, you know, Silicon Valley is the only place anyone can be creative. That's just a lie. There, there's creative people across the landscape of this country and they come from all walks of life. They come from all communities. They come from, from all backgrounds. And what we can't continue to do is suppress the most creative people among us. And it, it's very interesting because like the guy I mentioned, the, the, my, my army ranger friend, mm-hmm. what a creative fellow. I mean, the fact that he thought of the ideas and, and has overcome every obstacle and, oh, that bill is there. Don't worry about that. I'll get to that next week. And, you know, and I, I, I've often said, you're not a real entrepreneur unless you've put your payroll on your credit cards at least once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are the right. people who believe in themselves enough to go, okay, fine. I, I'm not going to make it this week. Let's, let's go handle it. And they continue to handle these things. Those are the people we need becoming wealthy and powerful in our society because they don't look at the world from, well, there's just too many problems. I think I'll give up today. And those are the people I want to help. That's, the, that's, that's, the, that's what our whole company is about. And, I, and really, um, that's what's happening in the capital markets because it's happening on a big scale, like with Palantir and GameStop, uh, where mm-hmm. very big companies and hundreds of millions of dollars, the, the, the society is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't give up on these guys. Let's support them. Let's support this company. Because, you know, the guy from the CEO of Palantir moved the headquarters of his company. I don't know if he was making a statement or not, but he's a tech company, right? Uh Right. He moved out of California. His headquarters in Colorado now. Wow. And I went, what's he doing? <laughs> and then I went, he's doing a direct public offering. I think, how is he going to pull that off? And mm-hmm. lo and behold, he pulled that off. So this shift, this paradigm shift to, look, we can all participate. We can all build wealth. We can all invest. We can all acquire companies. We can all, you know, raise capital. We can all do this. That, that, that our society is, is, is better when we have a free and open capital market system. And everything I've described today is a capital market system. It's kind of, I don't put the, I don't like to use buzzwords. Um, I know what the buzzwords mean, but it only demonstrates that I know what the words mean. It's not actually giving the real data, the real information to others to use. So the reason I talk about the things the way I do and not, you know, I'm a, I'm a CPA for 31 years and a lawyer for 26 years. Um, I don't talk about things in highly technical financial terms or legal terms because I know that the audience is not going to pay attention after I've given a lot of complexity to the terminology. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite simple. Okay. It's very, very simple. If we the community of professionals help. And that's the big word. If we help instead of 
increasing the complexity so only a select few are able to participate. So we're involved in creating educational products. We have a great social media website uh, called DreamX Connect, where we have menus that will help people use the terminology. It's like, put your company in the website. Well, how? What are the terms that other people are looking for? And okay, I don't understand this menu. You can call our, you can call our team. Our team, we have people, full-time staff who are there to educate a company owner to get his company in DreamX Connect. So he can find partners and the menus are there. So when a financial professional looks at it, he goes, oh, okay, I see what all the menus say about this company. Well, we've gotten all that information out there. And it could be an investor. It could be an intermediary, a consultant, um, someone who wants to help them, a strategic partner. And we've had successes already from that uh, website because we, we're, we're dividing it between company on this side, investor on this side, and then they can talk to each other just like LinkedIn. They can in-message one another on our website, DreamX Connect. But um, what's more important to us is that they at least get the basic information on both sides so that you can search for the right partner. Okay. Right. Like right. a dating site for companies, I guess. <laughs> to use a better matchmaker. A terrible matchmaker. Right. You, yeah. know, you go in there and you find who you want to work with. Um, right. So we're, we're already doing that. That's live today. Um, That's and awesome. our consulting services are live today as well. Need to uh, get access to the Dream, uh, the DreamX Connect, because uh, I think that would be awesome to be able to speak with some of the companies, highlight some of the companies, uh, and bring more attention to what they're working on. And then also as a potential investor, I like the idea of what you were saying earlier about you know acquiring um, you know several different companies, and part of the strategy being. Well, potentially, it's a private company. We may take it public as one of our strategies uh, to see this company grow. I think that's a great concept. Yeah, and and just so you know, I I mean, I'm a I'm kind of a child of the '80s. Okay, it's my generation. And when I was becoming a young business person, if someone said, "Yeah, we're going to do this, and then we're going to go public," it's like, "Oh, of course." If you say that today. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's very foreign now. I agree. Yeah. So we want to restore that because, you know, John F. Kennedy had a very famous quote, uh, and I I don't use it very often, but I'm I'm feeling a bit safe today. (laughs) He, he, He said that a nation that is afraid to let its people judge things in a free and open market is a nation that's afraid of its people. Right. Okay, and well, we're bravely going in and letting the nation do what I think. I I believe in our country, okay? I believe in the people in it. Um, I believe that the noise occurring in the political environment is actually not who we are as a people. Um, You know, uh, probably, I don't know, maybe 16 years ago or 17 years ago, uh, I was a partner in a law firm and it was a old, old, old established Chicago law firm. Um, the senior partner of the firm, I loved going in his office because 
on the walls were photos of him, literally him with his arm around, uh, you know, President Kennedy and mm-hmm. Martin Luther King. And he was that old established Chicago guy. And um, he got us together, got all the partners together. He said, you know, there's this guy and he's a state senator. He wants to run for U.S. Senate. I'd like to have him to our office. And I'd like everybody afterwards, maybe we should raise some money for him. And I went to this, to this uh, in our conference room <laughs> and we had a very nice little social gathering of not many people, um, but we raised $100,000 for Barack Obama, okay? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is, this is our future, okay? And I think that the country itself is a lot more aligned. I think 90% of us, when we look at it, and this is why the Congress agrees with me, when we get right down to it, we're all fighting to survive. We want to survive better tomorrow than we did today. That's a common, that's common. Right. That's something you disagree with. I mean, if you disagree with that, um, you're saying to yourself, well, tomorrow I'm going to succumb. I'm, you know, I, we, don't, we don't want to die and be worse off tomorrow. We all want to survive and be better off. Yep, I agree. So, so behind everything we do, and I, I say this about you, you ask what's different. That's mm-hmm. our viewpoint. Our viewpoint is that, that there are products and services and things that we're creating that will make us all better off in our, in our world as human beings. One, one human being to another, we, we reduce it to the common denominator that human beings want to survive and they want to survive better tomorrow and that it, we are not against one another, that somehow if you survive better tomorrow, that that will somehow make me better able to survive tomorrow too. And that marketplace where, and I bought, is not the market speculators marketplace. I, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need those guys. Uh, one, one trader once said to me, you know, you have to pay attention to the market speculators viewpoint. He's a trader. And I said, yeah, I, I, I'm paying attention. He said, well, you're saying something true that we all want to survive better. But the speculator is like a duck hunter. And what's good for the duck hunter isn't always good for the duck. <laughs> Very true. Okay. Very true. But as, as human beings, we are not hunting ducks. We're in this together. Right. Like it or not. Like it or not. And that's the philosophy behind shifting the capital markets for the long term to recognize that the expansion of our environment where all companies that have products and services that help us to be better off need capital. They need to, they need to survive. They need to be there and we can't eliminate not a single one of them. And, and it's not relegated to the billionaire celebrity few. It's in all quarters of our society and in all places. And if we really, if we accomplish our goals at the dream exchange, which I think we will, um, this will live long after me for my children, my grandchildren, and that legacy that we're helping will be for your children and your grandchildren and our community as a whole. We, we really do. It's a very hopeful message. Um, and, and it is a change message. So um, sorry to be on my soapbox a bit, but no, I, no, I, I, appreciate I love it. what I do. <laughs> it's the, it's the purpose of my life. I could have been a, um, 
a downtown deal lawyer. I could have done something else with my life. I think, I think there are days my wife, my wife would rather that I did something that made our family a bit more money these last 10 years. Um, I, I don't want to cancel wealth. I want to be wealthy. I want you to be wealthy. So that's the point. And uh, we're on a mission. I think we're, we're doing a really good job. And, um, and I love these venues. I, I've done many podcasts in the last six months. They are kind of the highlight of my week. I get to do one or two a week um, because I actually get to, to, to talk about this. I get to talk mm-hmm. about not only myself and my own views, but I, I don't have a small group anymore. Um, you know, we, all, we, have, we have 12 full-time staff. We have 20 people that are uh, kind of with us pretty, pretty full-time that are either employees or not. And then as we grow, we're getting more and more people and we get more people. We have probably a thousand people in DreamX Connect now. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to launch another uh, announcement and a bigger campaign that's coming up in the next couple of months. So, um, you know, the, these early, it's funny because many of the people was just like, oh, I met this person and uh, they performed and they did their job. And I didn't go out and say, hmm. I need that particular person. It's kind of like whoever showed up first. <laughs> you were exactly. there. Uh, you know, the the opportunity um, was was just there, and and then the person didn't get lucky. It was just okay. You're here. The opportunity's here. Let's make it work. And that's kind of how we've grown. And I feel like that that's how all these companies will grow. It's you know, here's the job application. Come on in. Um, and that opportunity is now yours. You're at the forefront of the new thing the next big thing i think we're the next big thing um or i wouldn't do this no <laughs> so. I, I definitely agree I, I see the value in where you're headed uh we saw it last year we're seeing it now i think it's so vital uh to have this conversation especially when we're talking about job creation we're talking about wealth creation and um you know really changing the landscape uh and closing this wealth gap uh and yes. for everyone you know, yep. it's right there in front of us. So why not do it when we have the opportunity uh, staring right there in, in our face? Yep. Yes. That's that's exactly aligned with what we're doing. Well, thank so. you so much. Before we let people know how they can get access, last right. question that I have for you. Um, how does it feel? Uh, I know you've been working on this for quite some time. How does it feel when you're in some of these congressional conversations and these political talks and you're seeing people saying, yep, that's the one, that's what we need to be doing right there. How does that feel? I mean, the, the feeling, I, I, I have to admit this, um, that's my pay. Um, so it feels, you know, like, <laughs> um, it feels like the paycheck at the end of the week when you, you know, you've worked hard all week long and then the, Oh, look at, I earned some money this week. I, I get paid a different way. Um, on our webinars very often, um, you know, we ask for questions at the end of the webinar and there'll be 30 or 40 people going, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for doing this. I love it. And I, yeah. And I look at it and I go, you know, I just want to know that the effort, because it's kind of how I feel. I feel like, um, the, the effort of going through it is the journey. It's, uh, you know, it, it, that's the truth of life. 
it's like any other journey you may go on. You know, if you get married the day of the wedding, it's like, well, we accomplished that. Now we're done. No, you've just begun the journey. Right. And there's the ups and the downs and the pain and the, the, the gains and the losses. And every now and again, the pay, because I have six children. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've been through all those moments where the paycheck is, oh, uh, dad, I love you. I got to see on my report card. <laughs> and I go, okay, it, it, the I love you was pay enough and let's do better next time. But, you know, mm -hmm. the point is that how it feels to me is the rewards I get are in knowing, and I get this from other people, con congressional leaders included, that we're doing the right thing because that's the potential of, of what I'm trying to create with my life. And that, and I want that potential fulfilled. I do not want my tombstone to read here lies Joe potential intact. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, right. I want to accomplish something that's, that's good for everybody. And I'm finding that the rewards are people like you, where you want me on your podcast. We want the message out. That's a reward for me that, that people will listen and agree and encourage because I don't have it all figured out. Okay. We, we have a lot of the mechanics, believe me, the mechanics of, of the exchange right now are going very fast. The technical uh, programming and rules that we're doing right now. And the, the, I'm, I'm amazed with my computer team. Um, and it's great. They get a reward in their own way, but that would be very boring. Like we have an app. It's cool. There's a lot of people on it, but what are you really created? And our creation, they all look at it and they go, there's a thousand people in connect <laughs> and that's right. their, that's their pay. Okay. So that's how it feels for me. Um, it's a labor of, I love <clears throat> other people. I'm, I'm actually quite famous for crying in my office because I can be moved <laughs> to tears. Uh, I hug my employees. Uh, we haven't been able to do as much of that because of, because of COVID, but right. uh, you know, and you know, we, we end our staff meetings with, you know, a love fest. Uh, it sounds a little silly because it's, a, I think that too, for me, my personal feelings is there's another kind of paradigm shift underneath everything, which is removing false ideas about doing business. Um, dog eat dog world. And, uh, you yeah. know, every man for himself and uh, greed is good. And those are all kind of those are lies. Actually, the best businesses I've ever been in are with business owners who truly care for their team, their staff. They don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't steal. Some of those people will make money temporarily. They do. I've watched it happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the best business owners I've been involved in are people who truly care about their customers. They care about their team. They care about being honest. Uh, they won't take advantage of someone in, a, in, a, in an unfair and a hostile way. That paradigm is gone. We can't, you know, we're, we're now exposed for who we are. I mean, look at social media. That's what I mean. This, this whole communication, if you're not sincere and caring for other people, the world's going to chew you up. I agree. And uh, that's how I feel rewarded. So I, right now I'm feeling tremendously hopeful. Uh, I'm still working 19 and 20 hour days uh, because we, we, we have some plateaus during the next 12 and 18 months that are just very demanding. But, um, you know, some days I have dark circles, but the feeling of 
that I'm doing something really important is and worthy of my life on earth is is how I get paid. It's what it's what I feel most rewarded doing. And I feel rewarded right now to answer your question directly. Um, actually, one other thing, this is a great one, and I don't know if anyone wants to ever check this out, but uh, one of the guys that, like I said, I'm a little generationally, I'm, I'm 55. One of my childhood heroes was uh, Coach James Valvano. I don't know if you know who he is, Jimmy V. No. Oh, Jimmy V. A, Jimmy V. Jimmy V. Yeah. yeah, 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 Jimmy V. There's a great, uh, um, about an hour long, um, it's on YouTube, uh, where Jimmy V is talking to the Million Dollar Roundtable. And okay. it's an extraordinary talk because he actually talks about, um, he talks about his father. And I feel very a much a kindred spirit to him in many ways. It's ironic because here he was, this Italian guy from New York, who was the coach of a, of a basketball team. And uh, the love he had, and the lo- there's, a, there's also an ESPN documentary on 30 for 30 called um, uh, Survive in Advance. Um, mm. Great documentary on Jimmy V. And he's dead, and his te- the team comes together to celebrate the anniversary of their national championship. So if you're basketball fans out there, you should check out the Jimmy V talks because he actually is saying some things that made an impression on me as a young guy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a Sicilian kid from the West side of Chicago. Uh, I grew up in North Austin. Uh, I grew up, um, it, you know, it, we were a very, very racially diverse, uh, area. I would say that, um, you know, 50, 50 black and white people, Hispanics. And, um, you know, I just, I just, I grew up with uh, a community of white and black people and, I, I identify very closely with James Volvano, the guy he was looking for to hug at the national championship. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting story. I won't steal it, but you got to look at it because it's very funny because okay. um, he couldn't find him. He was running around the floor. There's pictures of him running around looking for his, his lucky mm-hmm. hug at the end of the national championship. And he, he tells funny stories about it, but the punchline to the Jimmy V uh, entire, um, I guess, point is that uh, he talks about his relationship with his father and he had this expression that my bags are packed because his father, after he had lost and gotten knocked out of the national championship a couple of times, his father said, my bags are packed for when you're going to go win the national championship. I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to get on the plane. My bags are already packed for that trip. And what Jimmy V talks about is his father believed in him that he he never wavered in his belief that someday James Silvano would achieve the dream he had of being the coach of a national championship team. And he imparted that to his players. And it's ironic the way it worked because here was this, here was this kind of Italian guy who partnered with these, these black athletes in the, in the early 1980s in a way that other coaches didn't do it. Okay. He was, he was family. They were, they were a family. Okay. And, and he regularly was announcing, hey, I love you. <laughs> um, and that's me. Uh, I, it's a basic part of my personality. You t- you're talking about, I'm being very personal about it because that's how I feel. And I want that message, that one human being to another, that if we all just actually do that, I'm not 
speaking in spiritual or religious or any other terminology other than the basic humanity of one human being to another human being, you know, you know when someone is sincere and really wants everyone to be better off. And that's kind of what I've dedicated the Dream Exchange mission to and my life. Um, so anyway, I, I, I encourage your listeners to go look at that, especially if you're struggling in business, apply that to your business. I'm definitely going to watch uh, both, <laughs> so I appreciate yeah. that. And I uh, we appreciate the work that you're doing uh, here at How to Acquire Podcast and, of course, Black Equity Podcast. We are with you. We support you. This vision, to me, makes complete sense. And so I was really smiling the other day when I saw, <laughs> in, in closing, I saw, you know, GameStop here and, you know, all these different things happening. I said, this is going to get more people into the markets. And so the more opportunities they have to invest, they're going to take those opportunities. So more people are getting uh, into this space and um, your education is helping uh, guide companies and investors to know exactly how they should navigate in this space. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. How do we access uh, all the different things that you have to offer uh, for our Great. Audience. So, so uh, our, our website is www.dreamx.com. <clears throat> it's dream, D-R-E-A-M-E-X, not just X. So dreamx.com. Everything is there. There's links to how to help with uh, <clears throat> the Main Street Growth Act. There's links to uh, how to get to DreamX Connect. There's info, there's all of our webinars you can get to. Uh, you can, through the website, is all the ways to get in communication with us. So just peruse the website. And if you have any trouble with any of that, you can send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at dreamx.com. That actually goes right to the senior executive over all of public communications. So okay. it goes right to her. And we try to get back right away. We get a lot of emails, but uh, if you if you can't if you're not finding what you want in the website, send a, send an email, and it goes. We have a nice line, okay. communication line. They'll get back to you. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so thank you for that. I'll head over there. I definitely want to be part of the Connect family. Uh, be able to speak with the business owners and investors, uh, and build this tribe together, this future together, the future yeah. of the capital markets. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I'm really grateful. I just want to thank you because, um, you know, this is our second uh, rodeo and I, I, I definitely want to do another one when we have these bigger announcements, uh, sure. you know, if I can help you expand your audience too, uh, with our audience and we maybe we'll figure out ways to link things together there to expand. The Anytime audience. Dream Exchange wants to reach out, I'm open. Let's do it. I, okay. The, the mission is so aligned with where I'm headed in my life. It would, I would be a fool to not go in this direction. So that's, I'm, that's fantastic. I'm well, thank you so much. I know I, 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 I often go over time. I'm, I think I'm a favorite of some of the podcasts because I'm good at content. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love it because you're giving us a different perspective and you're opening up our eyes to a new world. So uh, keep doing that. Keep spreading the gr- the great news uh, to everyone you go to. Thank you for coming on How to Acquire Podcast. And I will be talking to you very, very soon. I look forward to the next episode we do together. Thank you so much. Now that you know the future of the capital markets, click the link in the show notes and gain access so you can get into the flow 
of the future markets. Because although we're saying it's the future, it's really happening right now. Tune in right now. Thank you for listening so much to this episode. If you want access to the Dream Exchange and the Dream X Connect platform, the link is in the show notes. I want all of our investors and entrepreneurs to have full access to everything the future is about to hand us. Thank you for tuning in. I'm DJ Moultrie, and thank you for our guest today, uh, Joe, for stopping through and having this next level conversation. Dream Exchange, we look forward to working with you moving forward. We'll talk to you everyone soon. Thank you for listening to How to Acquire Podcast.